Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. The Second Amendment says this, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's literally what it says. Is that simple? That a well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, you can read whatever you want into that. We know why the Founding Fathers put it in there. We know what their thinking on it was. And yet, President Joe Biden spoke alongside Attorney General Merrick Garland last week about the administration's new gun crime prevention strategy. Biden announced a warning to gun dealers in their response to a recent spike in violent crime. This is what he had to say. We just met, as I said, with a bipartisan group of, uh, of mayors, law enforcement, and community leaders. And we discussed a, a comprehensive strategy that I'm releasing today to uh, combat the epidemic of gun violence and other violent crime that we've been seeing in our country for far too long that has spiked since the start of the pandemic over a year ago. Crime is historically rises during the summer. And as we emerge from this pandemic, with the country opening back up again, the traditional summer, summer spike may even be more pronounced than it usually would be. Now, gun violence is up over last year. That's what he said. But the question here is, why? Why is gun violence up over last year? Could it be that I don't know, the start of BLM and Antifa riots started about that time? Could it be that the whole defund the police movement happened about that time? Could it be that we, we, start, we started releasing prisoners from prison about that time? Of course, all of those things happened. We saw an explosion in riots brought on by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. We, we've seen literally people murdered in the streets because of Antifa and others. We have seen police departments being defunded. We have seen their budgets absolutely slashed. We have seen prisoners released from prison. Why? Because we're afraid they're going to get covid in prison, or just like Governor Brown from Oregon the other day uh, released prisoners because they helped vaccinate people. Uh, this this is what's been happening over the last year, and what have we seen? Because we have seen gun violence go down from a from a, a peak that we hit in about 1990. We have seen it drop every year ever since until this last year. Why this sudden change? Was it because of 
uh, a number of guns being brought onto the street. No, we saw a lot of other things happening that we knew would create a spike in violence. And we've seen it. And now we see Joe Biden and his administration try to head off this violence in ways that aren't going to work. We also see that he said that there's a summer spike that will be severe this year. Can he explain why? Why is this summer spike in violence going to be more severe this year? Does he know something we don't? It would be nice to find out. Let's listen in again. For folks at home, here's what you need to know. I've been at this a long time, and there are things we know that work that reduce gun violence and violent crime, and things that we don't know about. But things we know about, background checks for purchasing a firearm are important. Ban on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. No one needs to have a weapon that can fire over 30, 40, 50, even up to 100 rounds, unless you think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests or something. Okay, he says, things that we know that work. Okay, let's, let's cover some things that we know work. How about increased police presence? That works. We know that if there's an increase in police presence, we know that that helps keep crime down. We know that violent crime continues to go down as police presence increases. But what have we seen in our major cities? In particular, we've seen the decrease in police presence. We've seen defund the police as a major cry. And not only is it a cry from many on the liberal side, but these liberal, quote, leaders, unquote, are taking up that mantle and they literally are slashing the budgets of our police departments. We... We, we see so many things happening within the police departments. In, in Portland, Oregon, for instance, this, is, this podcast is, originates near there. Um, we, we see where they're not making traffic stops for you know, anything outside of a major incident because they don't have enough police to do so. So if, if you're driving without your headlights on or, or something, you know, something's that they are not going to pull you over they're not going to make that stop. It, even if your, your license plate is, is, is out of date or whatever, they're not going to make that stop because they don't have enough police. They cannot get enough police hired to, uh, to fill the void of hundreds of police officers uh, that, that they don't have on staff. Um, how about things that will work? I know holding criminals accountable. That works. We know that that works. That's something that we could work toward that would reduce the, the violent crime rate. Um, violent criminals need to be held accountable. And when uh, and what this means is they go through a court system that's going to be fair and it's going to then hold them accountable for what they've done. When they are convicted of a crime and they have they're sentenced to jail, they stay in jail and they stay there for the remainder of their sentence. They don't get out because, I don't know, we, they might get COVID in jail or they help, you know, vaccinate people. So we know that holding criminals accountable works. Let's go after something like that. The other thing he said here is, how about a ban on assault weapons 
and high-capacity magazines. This is absolutely ridiculous. First of all, what is an assault weapon? I, that, that, that's a question to any of you. If, if, if you. if you would like to answer that for me, I would love for you to do that. UncommonSensePodcast.com is the place to do it. Send me an email and let me know what an assault weapon is. Because to most liberals, an assault weapon is just simply a scary gun, right? I mean, it's something that looks bad. Now, I, I can say, I, in fact, I, I just heard uh, a conversation that took place where uh, s- someone said, well, uh, an assault weapon is something that was designed for the military. Okay. So when you get down to, an, an, uh, how about an AR-15, is that an assault weapon? Well, most liberals would say definitely that's an assault weapon. But did you know that that wasn't a military weapon? It was not designed for the military. It was designed for citizens. It, what is an assault weapon? There is no definition of an assault weapon. Assault weapon, weapon is just a weapon, a gun that, that liberals don't like. And, and most, most guns, liberals don't like. So you can, ju- you can just about throw anything into that category of assault weapon. So how, how does banning assault weapons, which is something we, don't, we can't even define, how is that going to help with gun violence? And let's go to high capacity magazines, for instance. Um, <laughs> what shooting, I, I, I'm going to present you with another question. What shooting has a ban on magazines ever prevented? Can you name one? Can you name one shooting that a ban on magazines has ever prevented? All right. High capacity magazines does not prevent gun shootings. It prevents people from having the ability to fend for themselves. The only reason to own a gun for hunting is the is the mentality of, of this president and other liberals that a magazine, you don't have to go, um, you, you don't use a magazine when you go deer hunting. You, you, but what you do is you, you, you own a gun for more than just hunting purposes. Hunting is one reason to own a rifle, let's say, but there are so many other reasons and to be perfectly honest with you, it doesn't matter how many reasons there are. I can name off a dozen reasons why you should own a weapon. But it doesn't matter how many there are, how many reasons there are. We ha- in America have the right to own it. We have a God-given right to own that weapon. And we can own it for protection, protection from criminals, protection from the uh, from animals, uh, protection from the government. We can uh, own it for hunting purposes. We can own it for recreational purposes, uh, entertainment purposes. Uh, just simply, we, we just simply want to own the gun. We, we, we like it hanging on the wall. Whatever the case may be, there are so many different reasons that we can own a gun. And it is not up to the government to decide which one of those is a valid purpose and which one is not. You hear Biden here saying that, you know, that, that, that if I believe that deer wear Kevlar vests, that I can have a high capacity magazine, right? So, so if I believe that deer, a deer that I'm, I'm hunting, 
is wearing a Kevlar vest, I can have a high capacity magazine. So just like if I identify as a woman, then everyone else has to act accordingly. <laughs> then if I identify that deer wear Kevlar vests, then everybody else has to react accordingly, right? And we can have our high capacity magazines. It just doesn't make any sense, as you can tell. All right, let's listen to what he says next. Community policing and programs that keep neighborhoods safe and keep folks out of trouble. These efforts work, they save lives. But over time, these policies were gutted and woefully underfunded. In our conversation today, we talked about our strategy to supercharge what works while we continue to push the Congress to act on sensible gun violence legislation. First, we discussed cracking down, as you heard from the Attorney General, on rogue gun dealers. We know that if there is a strict enforcement of background checks, then fewer guns get into the hands of criminals. Background checks have thus far kept more than 3 million guns out of the hands of felons, convicted felons, fugitive, domestic abusers, and others prohibited from being able to purchase a gun. And there's still too many loopholes in that system. So because liberal leaders have created serious problems with violence in our major liberal cities, the action we are going to take is going after gun dealers? This doesn't make any sense. This, this, if you're going after gun violence and you're trying to reduce gun violence, this is the step that you're going to take first. This is what you're, this is what you're going to spend your time and energies on. And by the way, he says that there are loopholes in our federal background checks. What loopholes are there in the federal background check system? That, 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 it just doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, the disturbing thing here, though, for me, from, from what this is, is that, that you can be a gun dealer and you can sell a gun legally to someone. So I, I have my license to sell guns. And I sell it to somebody who's passed a background check, who's done everything. I, I, I don't even get the, the feeling anything's wrong. I sell it to that person. And whether or not that person then goes and, and you know, commits a crime with it, or maybe he gives it to you know, somebody or he, or he gets it stolen or whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe he, you know, so, something else happens with it. And that gun later is used in a crime. Now, I, as the gun dealer, <laughs> I'm held responsible and punished for that. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So speaking of things that don't make any sense, let's hear what Biden has to say next. And today, enough rogue gun dealers feel like they, they can get away with selling guns to people who aren't legally allowed to own them. And I might add, the Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the, the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water with the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. All right, here we are. Tree of liberty. Well, what he's referring to here, if you didn't know, and, and 
this this stammering around you know the thing <laughs> uh, is he's retrying he's trying to refer to a 1787 letter uh, to William Stephen Smith the son-in-law of John Adams and it was written by Thomas Jefferson believe it or not and he used this phrase let me read you part of that letter about what he's referring to here it says in the letter it says and what country can preserve its liberties if their rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance. Let them take arms. The remedy is to set them right as to facts, pardon and pacify them. What signify a few lives lost in a century or two? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time, with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Now, what Jefferson is trying to do here, Jefferson is pointing out that given too much power, governments will grow out of control and innocent blood will be spilled. And and not only that, but it is an armed citizenry that is what keeps the government serving the people, not the people serving the government. This is what Jefferson is trying to point out is that it is imperative that the people of our society have the right to bear arms and that it is that right to bear arms that that keeps the government in check now here's here's the 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 thing that you're you may have heard this you may have not because a lot of the media did not cover this and if they did they didn't cover it well at all But here's what Biden said, as you heard. He said, you are going to need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. Okay. First of all, January 6th invasion of the Capitol building happened without a single person with a gun. There wasn't a single person in that um, Capitol building that had a gun. And and yeah, maybe a couple clubs, you know, I, I saw some Antifa uh, guys, you know, trying to break out windows with, with, uh, with some clubs, but, but there wasn't a single person who entered that Capitol building that had a gun and yet it was taken over for a short period of time. All right. Now this statement by Biden, this is the mentality of a leftist. It's an enti- it's the mentality of a of a tyrant, and it's a mentality of a dictator. the The government is a is a sacred thing, and 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 a government can do no wrong in the eyes of these type of people. Uh, preserving it, even at the cost of nuking or chemically attacking its own citizens, is justified. That's the mentality. People in a nation in which which only the government has guns are obviously at the mercy of the government. And they are absolutely dependent on the government for protection and being able to protect themselves. If the government goes bad, they have no means with which to overthrow it. Nowhere on this earth will you find a tyrannical government and an armed people together. Strict gun control laws are the tyrant's first priority. And I, 
I, I can take you to no better example. Um, and there's lots of them, but, but if you, if you want an example of this, you need to go no farther than Venezuela. This is now paying, Venezuela is now paying the price for adopting gun control in, in, in a great article written by Jose Nino. He, he, he said, uh, and he chronicled this. He said that the shocking nature of Venezuela's economic collapse has been covered ad nauseum. However, one aspect of the Venezuelan crisis that does not receive much coverage is the country's gun control regime. Fox News uh, re- recently published an a, a excellent article highlighting Venezuela's citizens' regret over the gun control policy the Venezuelan government government has implemented since 2012. Naturally, this regret is warranted. The Venezuelan government is among the most tyrannical in the world. With a proven track record of violating basic civil liberties, such as free speech, debasing its national currency, um, confiscating private property, and creating economic controls that destroy the country's productivity. I'm telling you, it is an absolute mess. I will just say that Venezuela is an absolute mess from being one of the richest countries in the world to an to absolute poverty in just a matter of years. Um, he says the elections have proven to be useless as they're, they've been mired with corruption and charges of government tampering. For many, taking up arms is the only option left of the country to shake off its tyrannical government. However, the Venezuelan government has done well to prevent an uprising by passing draconian gun control, which will be detailed here uh, shortly. Historically speaking, Venezuela has never had a robust history of, bi- of private gun ownership like that here in the United States. The abundance of, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the absence of a Second Amendment or check on the federal government's monopoly on firearm usage is a vestige of its colonial legacy. Its Spanish col- uh, colonial landlords uh, and, uh, and overlords did not possess a political uh, culture of civilian firearm ownership. It was mostly the military and the uh, landed nobility that held firearms throughout the colonial era. This tradition has persisted even after Latin American countries broke away from Spain in in the 1820s. Now, fast forward to the 20th century. Venezuela began its first attempt at modernized gun policy in 1939. The Venezuelan government enacted a law on arms and explosives, which established the Venezuelan state's monopoly on firearm usage. The state was the only entity that could possess weapons of war, which included, get this, cannons, rifles, mortars, machine guns, submachine guns, carbines, pistols, revolvers. Uh, Citizens could only possess 22 rifles and shotguns in a in certain circumstances, could possess handguns provided that they obtained a license. Now, ideas do matter, and and it's no surprise that Venezuela embarked on this gun control uh, escapade during the late 1930s. This was a period where statism was in vogue throughout the world. In fact, even here in America, the the New Deal era, um, we we started to pass some of the federal gun control laws here. Uh, through the National Firearms Act of 1934, and and it and it has it has definitely um, you know gone us down the wrong path. And in Venezuela, it was the same same type of thing. However, 
the national uh, nationalization of the oil industry in the 1970s and the subsequent economic downturn in the, of the 80s and 90s shook the Venezuela institutional foundations. The country was then ripe for a demagogic ta- takeover. When socialist strong uh, strongman uh, Hugo Chavez took over, not only was Venezuela's previous gun control order kept intact, but it was also expanded upon. Article 324 of Venezuela's current constitution maintained the state's previous monopoly on firearms and placed the National Armed Forces of Venezuela as the entity in charge of regulating all firearms in, in the country. In 2002, not that long ago, the Venezuelan government passed the first version of gun control arms, munitions, and disbursement uh, law, uh, reinforcing the state's iron grip on firearms in Venezuela. A decade later, the law was modified to enhance the scope of the gun control and gave the Venezuelan armed forces exclusive power to control, register, and potentially confiscate firearms. Uh, is, is this is this ringing any bells here? Does, does this look anything similar to what we're starting to see in this country? Under the ban of fighting crime, Venezuela implemented a ban on the sale of firearms and ammo in 2012. Like other gun bans, this provided feudal, uh, provided uh, feudal in, in fighting crime. According to the Venezuelan Violence um, uh, uh, Observatory statistics, Venezuela murder rate increased from, 30, from 73 murders per 1,000 people in in 2012 to 91 almost 92 murders per 1000 people in 2016 and we see this the same thing here i mean we some of the 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 the, the violent crime rate is is escalating particularly in the areas where there's a lot of gun control laws it's it, it's just the way it works venezuelans are now defenseless against a government that runs roughshod over their civil liberties while also destroying their economic livelihood. As if it weren't enough, every day Venezuelans must put up with rampant crime and the consistent threat of colectivos. That's the Venezuelans' infamous pro-government parliamentary units. Firearm bans, confiscation, and registration uh, give the state a virtual monopoly on violence, thus turning its citizens into defenseless subjects. Then the, the rubber meets the road. Uh, a d- disarmed populace has no chance against a well-armed leviathan. Foreigners may scoff, he, he ends here, at the U.S. US's Second Amendment, but it is one of the most far-reaching rights the framers of the Constitution made sure to protect. Political turmoil can emerge at any time and citizens must have the final means of protecting themselves in the case that all institutional uh, uh, options have been exhausted. Now, what we are seeing from this president, President Joe Biden, and his leftist friends, really, is very typical. Those that support Marxism need to disarm citizens so, so you know, they, they can't have any uh, option um, but to be squashed by the government. Uh, ne- there, there is nearly 40 million guns that were purchased legally just last year in this, in this country. Did you hear me? 40 million guns just last year. And another 4.1 million just in January alone of this year. 
over 5 million of those guns that were sold last year were the first time gun buyers, many of which were blacks and women. We are very, very blessed in this country that that we honor the God-given right to own a firearm. And it's up to us to preserve that right. And you may agree or you may disagree. I would love to hear from you. UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.